Hello listeners, Lacey here. A quick update uh, in front of this episode. In this episode's plug section, I mentioned that I recently ran an event called Hat Collecting Playdate, which was a Zoom event that featured a mixture of activities ranging from improv games to arts and crafts to self-reflection and journaling and connecting with the other people on the call. I'm planning to run this get this event again in the future, as well as possibly some other events under the Hat Collecting banner. So pay attention to hatcollecting.com, where I'll be putting up a page for this and you can find out when the next one's going to be running. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Hat Collecting Talk Show, where we talk about the many different metaphorical hats that people wear in their lives, because no one does just one thing and everyone has a story. I am your host, Lacey Artemis, a creative Jill of many trades, and I am joined today by Jackie Cation, who is a professional stand-up comedian, a board gamer, and the creator and host of The Dork Forest, a very popular dorky podcast and YouTube channel. Welcome to the show, Jackie. Thanks for having me. A little reciprocity. We're both doing each other's podcast. You were on The Dork Forest. It was very exciting. Yes. Thank you for that. I got to dork out about hockey, which I love to do. Um, right. And it was very specific <laughs> hockey goalie masks. It got nice and dorky, which I love. Yeah. That's my favorite part when it gets yeah. goes down a real rabbit hole. Yeah, actually, I've put together a PowerPoint. I'm going to make a whole YouTube video out of it to do like a full like <laughs> TEDx talk out of it. So, yeah, you, you, I didn't quite get to go as deep as I wanted. So, <laughs> well, it is only an hour and uh, that's the yeah. way that goes. So, yeah, no, it was very fun, though. And I'm so glad that you're here Thanks. to uh, talk about hats, metaphorical hats. Metaphorical um, hats, so many hats, <laughs> so many hats. Yeah. So the first question I'd like to start the show off with is, where did you grow up? I grew up in a little factory town uh, east and south of Milwaukee called South Milwaukee. It's its own town. We have our own water treatment plant. It's a little factory town. We used to make um, earth moving equipment, strip mining equipment. And then um, the 70s came and we're like, you know what we could do? We've created our own job interest here, reclamation equipment. And so uh, it is now, I believe, a Caterpillar factory or a John Deere or something like that. And it's South Milwaukee, Wisconsin, population 20 grand. It's about three miles square. Hmm. And kind of, you could go either way. Like, obviously, anywhere you could find the meth lab part of town. <laughs> but uh, the uh, it had a nice, it, 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 had, it has Norman Rockwell potential. So it is adorable in many oh, ways because nice. it's right on Lake Michigan and you can wander the streets and only, you know, be bullied by mostly your own age group. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's something. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I'm going to just take a quick moment here to do our land acknowledgement for the show. Um, here in Toronto, where the show is based out of, or where I'm based out of, I should say, uh, Toronto or Takaranto is located on the traditional unceded territory of the Mississaugas of the New Credit First Nations, the Huron-Wendat, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, and the Anishinaabe. This is a Dish With One Spoon Treaty territory, and we are uninvited visitors on this land. To find out more about that and your area, whether you're in Canada, the U.S., or even some places abroad, um, native-land.ca is the website for that, to go and learn about treaties and communities and all that kind of stuff. It's very enlightening. That is um, awesome. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We have a lot of Ojibwe in Wisconsin. Oh. Yeah, that's oh. the land that we're squatting on. So... Mm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, yeah. So how about we take a minute here to talk about, uh, you know, a couple of things that you're currently doing and how you got into them. Okay. Um, you can start, uh, let's, let's start with the comedy. How did you get into comedy? Well, that, uh, 
I would say, I would say everyone kind of gets into everything by falling into it. You try something, you end up either liking it or just they pay you for it. And one of those two things happens and you keep doing it. Uh, I have many friends who, um, who do closed captioning. This was not a love. This was something that they ended up being paid for. And so then <laughs> a dozen years later, they're still closed captioners. But um, I did, st I started stand up in when I was 19 at the comedy uh, comedy. It was called the comedy cellar in Madison, Wisconsin. And I had never seen, the only other live theater or live events I had ever seen, I had seen some like orchestra stuff because my sister played all the instruments and mm -hmm. she was in something called the performance art. Um, it was an amazing like youth orchestra. And then I saw high school theater. And, um, and when I was about 19, there was a comedy club that opened up in Madison, my, my, uh, where I went to college. And, um, we were like, do you want to go see stand-up? And I had never seen stand-up. I, I come from salespeople, so we'd never listen to stand-up. We'd listen to motivational speakers instead and sales stuff. So we went to the club. I got very, very drunk. I heckled the comedian so badly that the manager came over and said, you have to shut up. Open mic is on Sunday. If you want to come back and do any, you want to start talking into a mic? Three weeks. Come on back. And so three weeks later, he didn't say three weeks. So three weeks later, I got the guts to go do open mic. And it was like, I, I assume it was like falling into a vat of heroin because uh, I never, I've never wanted to do anything else. So that is, um, it was, I did it every night that they let me do it for eight months. And I got a 1.8 that semester <laughs> and they uh, canceled the, uh, the club itself burned down. And so oh, they didn't have another club for another couple of years. So we just did open mics around town. That is the alley behind my house. It's a very rumbling, very powerful noise. Anyway, but uh, it's over now. But okay, so that's how I got into stand up. And then, so I eventually graduated from college, moved to Minneapolis um, in 1990. And then I did stand up in Minneapolis for six years and did the road. I started in 84, 85 in, um, in Madison, Wisconsin. And then I moved to Minneapolis. And then I moved to Los Angeles. I believe in 96 or 97 and um, can't possibly matter. And then I have lived here ever since. And I've been doing stand up. I do stand up on the road and um, that is my main income, but I didn't quit my day job until 2003 because I uh, value security over all else. And so I needed a, uh, a day job. And then finally in 2003, I got my sort of first, I guess it would be, the real first big break with a big paycheck attached to it. It was a comedy central special, just a half hour comedy central presents and it paid 15 grand. And I was like, since that was almost half of what I was making a year, I was like, why don't we commit to doing stand-up comedy just, you know? And so that's what I did was I, uh, I quit my day job, which was the nicest day job in the whole wide world. Uh, and the, my boss was so incredibly flexible. And she said, she would let me go on the road for like six, six weeks, twice a year and get us, get a temp. And um, I worked at a closed captioning company, but I didn't do the captioning because my grammar skills are not uh, great. And, uh, but the, uh, but she was like, are we not being flexible enough? And I was like, no, no, 
I, I just have to jump off the cliff here for a second. So that's, that's how I got into stand up. Hmm. And that and has been my stand-up career ever since. So there you go. So I did the whole thing. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm gonna grab a quick drink too. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, your mouth your mouth gets uh, surprisingly dry when you're podcasting sometimes. Sure, with the but <laughs> you're always talking. Yeah. Um, so how did you get into podcasting? Well, 2006, um, I heard about something called Blog Talk Radio. Hmm. And Blog Talk Radio was essentially a website that would record and upload to iTunes your podcast. Hmm. It was free. You could do as, as long or as short a podcast as you wanted. I had written a joke back in the late 90s, and it was on my half-hour special called The Dork Forest, about the Dork Forest. And it, the, joke, the premise of the joke was, how far into the Dork Forest would I go to find someone I would not hang out with? <laughs> And that was the premise of the joke. Very funny joke. But I was like, well, that's a good name for a podcast. Plus, then the premise of the podcast is I interview people about what they love, what they're dorky about. In your case, it was helmets. It was hockey, goalie, airbrushed, specific helmets. Fantastic. Well played. Uh, this yeah. week, uh, this week's episode is dive bars. And... Um, and weirdly enough, destination dive bars. You know, like the thing is, is you don't have to leave anywhere. Like where I'm sitting right now in Van Nuys, California, there's absolutely a dive bar within walkable distance. I think it's called the Liquid Zoo. Uh, you don't have to destination dive bar. There are people who are giving up just blocks from here. And you could go sit at the bar and really get into it. But uh, Valerie Tossi, who I th might be Canadian. Is she Canadian? I don't know. Anyway, very funny comic. Um, has a new album out. And she came on the show and was uh, talking about dive bars. So I, in 2006, probably till 2009, maybe till 2011, I did it via blog talk. And it was essentially a conference call. We would each be on a phone. And it wasn't pre-recorded. So the audio quality, not great. Not great. <laughs> oh, it must be four years because there's 213 episodes. Yeah, so it's about it's about four years of that, and um, the best of those because the audio quality is not good. Uh, some of the guests are really cool, but the audio quality is you know I was reviewed once as being uh, a phone being held up to AM radio. So there's 17 episodes on my Bandcamp on the Dork Forest's Bandcamp. Mm. And they're free to listen to it. People want to. And then if you go to dorkforest.com, that's where all the pre-recorded goodness starts. I bought some equipment. Uh, I um, One of my fans was a guy named Patrick Brady who listened to the first two episodes pre-recorded. He was like, hey, I just graduated from film school. Could I fix this? And so the first couple of years, for actually probably another four or five years, he did it for free. And so I've only been paying him for, and now he's 30 years old and he's married. And I'm like, at any point, I fear, I live in fear every January that he's going to quit. And um, that he's going to be like, no, no, I'm actually, I'm, we're having a kid. I got life to lead. But no, he's still in. He still does the audio and video um, for the for the show. Hmm. Very cool. 
Um, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm really curious to ask you because I've, I've heard it's, I guess, kind of a running joke that people don't get into stand-up comedy because they're happy people. Um, what would you say is like the biggest misconception about stand-up comedy in your experience? That one. <laughs> that, that is the biggest misconception. Okay. They're sad sack clowns that need to get better. You could say that of anything. Have you ever met someone who collects trains? Like is a train dork? Yeah, my stepdad. <laughs> Your stepdad, right. Yeah. You could say that he gets joy out of those trains. And you could say that when he isn't doing those trains, he's not happy. Hmm, that is, it turns out life can be a drag. <laughs> and if you can find something that you love to do, and, you, and then you get good at it because anything you put your attention to, you will get better at, whether it's skateboarding or plumbing. And um, so enter, the entertainment industry lends itself. Like, look at the podcasting, right? You can get so much power from having 500 people or 50,000 people listen to you and go, you are fascinating. I listen to your podcast every week and I'm so happy. And you're like, okay. And you could use that power for good or for ill. And it could create your entire identity. And when you don't get to do it, you're sad. And, and with the entertainment industry, as opposed to train collecting, it's more, there's more attention, right? They may build you a statue. They may, you know, come and see a live performance of this podcast. Like my favorite murder is uh, is one of those true crime podcasts with two comics, or at least Karen Kilgare stand up. I don't know if Georgia is, uh, but she's very funny, and um, I can't remember. <laughs> so, but it's it's not any it's not any sadder. It's just more attention. Just a spotlight is 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 brighter. So you're like, so if someone's sad, or if they're they're evil, or if they're happy. Like I'm a genuinely pretty happy person day to day. You know, I'm I I consider myself the golden retriever of stand-up comedy. And um it should cheer you up to see my stand-up, to listen to my podcasts. It should not make you any more angry than you were. Any <laughs> it might bleed off some of your anger to feel like you're not alone. And that, cause that's the dork for us too, is that you could, I have a little bit of a cold. So sorry for the scratchy throat. Um, but the, it should, it should make you go, Oh, other people are truly into Legos or really some people were like, Oh my God, I love those helmets. Hmm. And, uh, and so you, you yourself created sort of a, a sense of community and inclusion and, and that, and that's what bleeds off sadness. That's a, that's what bleeds off that sad clown business. And, um, so no, I do not. There are sad clowns. There are people who kill themselves in stand-up comedy every damn year. And it's a pity and it's a waste. Hmm. And I hope to never be one, but sometimes life is hard. And you want to eat a bullet, but don't, right? Like, I mean, allow me to state the obvious. Wait until tomorrow, because it, it'll probably, it'll it'll pass. The day will be better. And then, and and it is nice to find something you like. Think of all those people that loved Candy Crush. <laughs> Some people are still playing. 
I, I'm almost proud to say I've never played that game, but I've played other phone <laughs> games. <laughs> right, right. You've got your own thing to do. I play a, a, a Candy Crush-like game, Match 3, called Marvel Puzzle Quest, and it's essentially just Candy Crush, but not bananas. It's power up your Iron Man, you know? Power mm-hmm. up your Captain America, your Black yeah. Widow. Anyway, <laughs> that's, that que- that's that question. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the next question I'm also very curious to hear. I know you said when you uh, tried to uh, open mic at 19, you knew instantly that's what you wanted to do. But before that, what was your like childhood dream? Well, I was raised literally in a vat of salespeople. So we were taught to talk when I was little. So that's why when you ask me any question, I may not have all of the information. Uh, but I'll always have an opinion. Nobody, <laughs> that's not cool, by the way, <laughs> especially if it's science or something political or like, let's say, Native American land rights. How about that? Why don't you keep it to yourself, J.K. Rowling? Uh, you know, you don't necessarily need to express an opinion without all the information about everything. But I was raised to talk talk. And so I would swing between wanting to be a person who talked to a person who never talked. So I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be an actor. Uh, I wanted to be a writer. On the other side, I wanted to be a hermit and I wanted to be a forest ranger. Hmm. So uh, weirdly, the forest ranger thing is very funny since the name of my podcast is the Dork Forest and the fans of the Dork Forest call themselves rangers. So that's kind of funny. So those were the those were my things. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so the next question here. Um, also, I'm, I'm curious to hear your answers to like all of these. So I won't say that every <laughs> single time. <laughs> um, we'll take it as rote. <laughs> so I like to ask about, because uh, this show is, one of the goals of the show is to kind of help people learn new things. And so each guest brings a new perspective. And I like to ask, what is the last new thing that you learned, whether it was like an actual like skill, something you do or a piece of information? And what is something you would still like to learn? Oh, wow. That is interesting. I bet that was in the notes that I was supposed to read (laughs) and prepare. Um, I would like to learn. Seems unlikely. But I would really like to learn how to program. Hmm. And it's not that hard. All it is is time watching YouTube. Like, And I would also like to do Photoshop. I would like to learn how to do a lot of different programs that would create that, uh, that where I could edit my own videos. I mean, it's another hat, mm-hmm. you know, I'd like to be able to make a dork forest video game. My husband's a game designer. He is also not a programmer. Hmm. So, um, something new I just learned was how to plant, um, and grow vegetables from seed. And I have yet to do it, but I did learn how to do it. And, and it's because it's supposed to be warm out, right? Where, mm. When you do it. So it's still February. And maybe I'll do it today. Maybe, maybe you've just inspired me <laughs> that I will, um, that I will, that I will make. Because what you have to do is you take like a milk jug or something. You cut off the top. I think it's a hinge. And you make a hinge and you poke holes in the bottom and you put uh, dirt. You soak the water. You, you soak the dirt real good and you plant the seeds and then you close it 
uh, and then you put it somewhere kind of warm and you don't water it again. You give it a week, I think. Hmm. I do need to check. I think I need to double check <laughs> that. But my friend Judy, um, Judy Butchkowski, a Rican chic, uh, she always wanted to hyphenate uh, just to uh, screw with the government. But I believe she just changed her name to his last name, which is a Rican chic. <laughs> but her, her maiden name was Butchkowski. And I was hmm. like, oh, Butchkowski, a Rican chic. It would just be the best. <laughs> anyway, so that's that's what I've learned and that's what I would like to learn. Okay. I know you mentioned in the, the notes that you did provide me that you wanted to learn skateboarding. What, what uh, brought that on? I've always wanted a skateboard. My mm. husband's like, you might've missed that window. You're 56. <laughs> You're going to break a hip. Uh, as it is, I have kind of a stiff knee and a stiff hip mm. already. The aging process is inexorable, you guys. And there's not a lot I can do about it. And I don't know that skateboarding, <laughs> I just sprained my ankle. And all oh, I no. was doing was walking off a curb and I sprained <laughs> it so bad. It still hurts. Like it, it took 10 weeks in a boot. Oh, wow. I did not break it, but I sprained it real bad. It was funny good. enough. I tweaked my ankle stepping off a curb the other day. I didn't sprain it, but I tweaked it. I'm just like, what, what is this? How did I forget right. how to walk? <laughs> exactly. And I will say this is that I have no, I have not sprained my ankle this bad since I was a child. Where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing anything. I am elevated, sitting. I, it might as well have been broken. It was kind of worse because they didn't put a cast on it. Mm. And uh, but they gave me a boot and blah blah blah. Anyway, it's a great story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you also mentioned that you. Uh, I don't know if you call yourself an expert at hacky sack, but you said you know a lot about hacky sack. Is that something you do oh. a lot? <laughs> I enjoy hacky sack. See, skateboarding and hacky sack are the two things that I, it's funny about hacky sack is I love, I like hacky sack. It's, and it also keeps you kind of bendy because mm. uh, you got to, you know, it's a, you know, you got to kick and it's also a nice reminder philosophically. Here's the thing about hacky sack is that every time you kick the ball, you got to touch back on earth. You got to be grounded. Mm. You have to be grounded, Lacey. You got to touch back on earth. Real, real, even the tiniest amount, just touch your toe so that it gets your balance and equilibrium back. And then you can throw your leg behind you and try to catch it and kick it back toward the circle. Hmm. Yeah. I love hacky sack. I just hmm. bought one like a year ago. I was like, we're in lockdown. Maybe I can get better at hacky sack. Uh, nope. Uh, <laughs> turns out you have to hacky sack is okay alone. You can learn a lot of tricks and stuff, but it's really, it's a, it's a social, it's a, and granted, yeah. during lockdown, it would have been okay, kind of, because it's an outdoor activity. And everybody's like three feet from each other. Not six, but pretty close. Hmm. So here's another question for you. Um, what is something that you wish you had known when you were coming out of school and going in, into the world? I'll tell you what I was happy I didn't know. Hmm. I was happy that I didn't know that there was sexism. Like I knew that there was sexism, but I had never, one of the great things about being the youngest of six with four older brothers and a dad who's all in sales, sales isn't sexist. Hmm. You make the sale, you make the sale and you, it can be gross. Like the people that you're surrounded by. Are you kidding me? My father's friends were foul. Um, they were just bad guys <laughs> and, um, and they were just gross. And he was like, if you were listening to this, you'd be like, no, oh, I like that guy. And I was like, no, I know. 
Anyway, uh, but he was a dirtbag dad. Anyway, so, but the, but the, yeah, so I, the, I had never, whenever, whenever stand-up comedy was sexist, I never thought of it as sexism. Hmm. I just thought that stand-up was kind of gross sometimes, like sales, where you hmm. were surrounded by dirtbags who would say gross things to you. And, and sometimes... I'm a hundred years old. We call it handsy right now. They call it sexual assault. And, mm -hmm. uh, but the, uh, but at the time it was just, he was like, he's an elbow squeezer, get away from him. And, uh, so, so the thing that I, that I wish I'd known, I guess, I don't know. I don't know what I wish I'd known. I actually don't have an answer. Did I write an answer in the thing? <laughs> no, no, this is, this isn't from, from the, uh, the prep form that, that you filled out. Um, yeah, but mean, no, you kind of answered it backwards, which is still, still works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> it's a, yeah. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing because if I had known what I know today, right. Mm. I might've been angrier. Things might've been different and I might've, I mean, I guess one thing that I think that all people who are 19 should know is that you are better looking than you think you, there is something about being 19 that even if you think you're goony looking, somebody's into that, man, you're like, cause you're bendy. You're, you're all, you're all, you got stamina. You got all kinds of things happening when you're, when you're 19 or 23 where you're like, I don't feel good looking. I feel fat. I feel this. I feel that. You're just like, nope. You're you're just you're young, which is attractive, kind of in itself. And I say, use that, rocket, rocket. Use it. Try to get laid. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> use a condom, please. Yes. <laughs> try, try not to catch anything. Yeah, always practice safe sex. So the next question here on my list, uh, this one might be a bit tricky to answer, but um, whatever you can come up with uh, on the spot, um, what would you say are the two most like dissimilar things that you do or that you're interested in? Like stand-up is a very solo activity, and it is mm. my main activity, right? Mm. And writing as I want to do it, which I don't do enough of, uh, is also a solo activity. Acting, which I would also like to do. There's that truck again, you guys. Listen, but <laughs> I it don't up. hear anything. But... Oh, good. Oh, perfect. <laughs> it's stuff that's, that's community-based, you know? Mm -hmm. Like acting, you have to work with others. Mm -hmm. Playing board games, video games, another solo activity that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. Who doesn't love parallel play? And um, But board Board games are a community activity and it's, I would say the things that I do or that I want to do, like acting is very much interactive, you know? And so, and standup is super solo. So I guess those two. Hmm. That's, that's a very valid answer. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So the next question here, um, we talk, I talk about, I came up with these concepts for basically like supportive people and toxic people. I call them high hats and heavy hats. Because <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> I like the hat metaphor, obviously. obviously. Um, so I like to ask, um, just maybe quickly, like, can you give an example and you don't have to name any names or, or call anyone specific out, but uh, what's like an example of a, a hype hat in your life and a heavy hat that maybe was in your life, but isn't anymore. Define hype hat again. Um, just someone who's really, really supportive and cheers you on and just wants oh. you to succeed. Oh, Bamford. Maria Bamford. <laughs> Maria Bamford is, I'm wearing the t-shirt that says Maria Bamford supports me in my journey. 
Hmm. That is that is her merch. Uh, hmm. She, I have never met anyone who has worked on themselves quite as hard as Maria, because she has, she has um, a history, and she's out about this about uh, her mental illness, you know, and 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 problem socially, and all of these things. I have never, I've never known anyone. Most of the people I hang out with, and I hang out with them on purpose, are people who try, hmm. uh, and. Since I've known Maria Bamford, 92, I think we met, um, she has become a better person, hmm. a better friend, and a better, like, she's she's actively trying to support community, her friends, her family, herself, hmm. and the world around her. And so, she's genuinely an amazing person. So there you go. Hi, Pat. <laughs> Bang. Uh, and who's a dirtbag? Who's, who's a, a toxic human being that I have accidentally seen in real life? <laughs> I'm sure there's many, many that you could name. <laughs> so many. Um, mm. One of my favorite stories is there's a guy, there's a comic, and I'll name him. What, 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 what he knows me. He can't even <laughs> remember that I'm on the show with him. Uh, mm. Bill, Bill Marr. Hmm. Bill Maher has a show on HBO and he does stand up and he always has a woman comic open for him hmm. to sort of mediate his misogyny, to mediate his grumpy. Nobody can make me get, he did twat the, the weekend, the night I opened for him. It was two shows. I think might've been one, but whatever it was, he was very funny, but the last 20 minutes didn't make any sense. It was all about how um, no one could make him get married. Nobody. And you're like, Who's doing that? You're 50. You're 50. And you're surrounded by by a paid escort. Like he had an entourage with him at this club. And I was in the green room and he came in with his entourage. And I introduced myself to him. And in the course of that introduction, he's not even making eye contact with me. He goes, do you need this room? I kind of need this room for my friends and I. Just to kind of chill out before the show. And I was like, the green room? Do I need the green room? And he goes, yeah. And I said, no, I think there's a coat rack downstairs that I could just hang out next to before I go on stage. And he didn't even hear me. He goes, thank you. Thank you very much. And so he's, I don't know if he's talking. I mean, his standup can be super toxic and his show can be super grumpy and, and, and mean. And, um, but I, I think he's just thoughtless. He's a, he's mm -hmm. a mess, you know? And you're like, dude, get some help <laughs> or something like he smokes a great deal of pot mm. and you would think he would be more mellow because of that, but yeah. he is not. He must, I, he has the angry pot. I cannot say I, I am familiar with, with who Bill Maher is and I cannot say I've heard many good things about him. So that, that fits in line. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I wish him only the best, I guess today. Yeah. I mean, tomorrow I might be a dick about it, but today I wish him, I wish him peace and serenity at some point. Fair enough. Yeah. 
Um, so since you brought up Maria Bamford, uh, and yes, Maria Bamford sounds like the literal, literal ultimate hype hat. Um, but you mentioned the the mental health thing, and like that's something that we do talk about on the show, and it's something that I I'm striving to be like Maria Bamford, essentially, given the description that you gave. Yeah, right. Are um, we all? Yeah. Yeah, but so the question I like to ask the guests here is because you know different things work for different people, but in in your particular case, whatever any like mental health struggles that you've had in your life what has worked for you to kind of like uh, mitigate them or work through them or just feel better well Lacey you may know that currently we're we're going the earth is going through a real shit show mm. uh, there's real trouble there's trouble out there there's there's literally some of the meanest human beings on the planet have crawled out from every rock that they were hiding under from from the last 50 years or whatever. And they, some of them are in power. A lot of them have microphones. And cause I genuinely believe I used to say 98%, but it's, I think it's, it really feels uh, 85% um, that people are good. You know, people want, they want the same thing. We all just want to have a little peace of mind and, and live indoors and have a job and, get a cup of coffee and for people to get out of their way and maybe a bass boat, you know, who knows a snowmobile, these things. And, um, and so there's been this real historical unrest in, on the planet for the last decade and in sort of, and, and because of global news, we get to live every moment of it. You know, I'm a huge fan of the Pony Express days. I would like my news two weeks late with a lot of analysis because uh, I can't fix what's going on across the universe, right? I can try to help the person in front of me, which is as much as I'm doing these days, right? And that is one, one way I have of coping hmm. is I literally tell myself, I cannot stop Vladimir Putin, but I can help the guy who hangs out in front of the 7-Eleven. I can, you know, I can be like, I can be nice to him. And if I have some cash, I can give him a buck or whatever, but I can at least go, Hey man, I hope your day's okay. Hope you're taking care of yourself. You know, I wish you the best because if I get out of my own head, because that's the bad neighborhood, right? That's a terrible neighborhood to be good. There's the committee meeting that is constantly happening in my head. Uh, no one needs to hear the, the minutes. And, uh, and if I can get away from it, even for a minute, and the best way I do that is by trying to help somebody else to so try to be extra polite to somebody, try to be extra, something like that. And, you know, we're in a pandemic we're in, we're in, um, all of these. Yeah. So I think the thing that I do is I try to help the person in front of me. And if I can't help them, I can at least be extra polite in like a retail situation <laughs> or I, I, I wrote on my hand for actually last week, all last week written on my hand was patience, kindness, tolerance. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I write that on my hand. Other weeks, I just write <laughs> the word listen because mm -hmm. I with the, but it did it. I'm constantly <laughs> chatting. Yeah, so. no, absolutely. Um, 
Oh, that's, a, that's a great answer. I appreciate that. Um, the next question here, uh, again, sort of whatever maybe comes to your mind first, but I like to ask about um, this idea that people think of failure as a bad thing, but failure is a good thing if you learn from it and you, you know, move forward yeah. in a better way. And so what's an example of something from your life where it didn't go the way that you'd hoped, or maybe it kind of blew up in your face, but like, ultimately, it was a good thing. And you can kind of reflect back on that now. What would that be? My father, he's, I, I think I said it on stage. I don't think he actually ever said it, but the implication was you might as well try hmm. because if you don't try in either case, he's going to make fun of you. <laughs> uh, if you are successful, then you're some sort of big shot. But if you, uh, if you don't try, he's like, why wouldn't you try? Why not? What do you care? And uh, what do you care if you don't, don't, you tried, you gave it a shot, do something else. And, um, so failure has never been, what was a good thing? I don't know. I mean, I some, some things I can't tell, right? Because you're in them, right? There's something yeah. terrible happening in my life right now, and I cannot make it go faster, and mm. I cannot stop it. Oh, my God, I would love to stop it. <laughs> or if I cannot stop it, I would love to make it go faster so I could face it, mm. you know? Because it's the waiting that makes you feel like you are powerless, because you are mm. and uh and it's and it makes you future trip right it makes you go oh well this is going to end up where i'm buried head first in the sand and honey's going to be painted all over my feet and they're going to release ants <laughs> and um none of that is true or if it is true it certainly isn't happening right now mm. and so i think something that i thought was bad probably my second DUI <laughs> mm. <laughs> because it got me sober. Mm. It got me to figure out that I, that I really can't drink. I tried mm. to stop drinking and I was like, cause I have a lot of, I'm a very, I think of myself as a very strong person with a lot of willpower, a lot of, you know, but I can't stop eating either. So, mm. I mean, there's any number of things I cannot stop doing without help. Mm. A therapy, you know, any, any number of 12 step programs, any number of just talking to other people and trying to get out of my own head again. But sometimes I need to, I, I, I need, you're just like, well, this is the worst thing to happen ever. And you're like, is it? And I don't know that it always ends up being better, but if you keep living, it always ends up being something else, hmm. right? Again, I've been, it's been a, it's been a hard couple of months. And uh, so I'm trying <laughs> to give myself reasons not to kill myself. And hmm. um, so it's, it's that, you know? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're kind of, we're kind of towards the end of the show here now. So we're getting to the, um, I can't remember if you'd put any charities or causes on your form. I do like to give the guests a chance to promote any kind of charity or cause if they like to. Well, uh, the Dork Forest in November and December, I always do. Uh, I always say don't donate to the Dork Forest in November and December. Donate to a local food bank. Mm. And you can do that in the United States by going to feedingamerica.org and putting in your zip code, you can do that in America and the rest of the world by going to Google and typing the words food bank and the name of your town. Mm -hmm. uh, so I am a big fan of helping out a food bank. And um, other than that, I do, um, I donate 
I have a, a t-shirt and a pin on my website. It's a meat shield. And um, it says in Latin, um, Artemis impederect, what, um, malice Artemis impederect. And it means getting in the way of bad behavior. It's mm. got a little picture of like Jude Claver on it. And, uh, and then it says in Latin and it's a, it's a shield and that, that benefits different. I've, I've, I've given uh, $11,000 to at a thousand dollars a pop to different, um, they're immigrant, uh, defense league, uh, companies, uh, uh, nonprofits like Raices, R-A-I-C-E-S. Mm. They help uh, on uh, a lot in Texas and stuff like that. And then the ACLU and Planned Parenthood, uh, Abortion Action, Action Abortion Front is a um, pro-abortion choice uh, company that's a charity that's uh, that's really good. And they are, they're run by comics, so a lot of their content is super funny. AAF. Hmm. Abortion as fuck, I think, <laughs> how they are kind of sort of leaning towards, but it's abortion action front. So, hmm. very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so now yeah, we're we're still we're just about to the end of the like the main show. I do like a bonus section, which we'll record in a moment. But uh, so yeah, I've really loved all your answers. I'm I'm trying to be very conscious of the time, which is why I'm moving pretty quickly here. But no worries. Um, yeah. So at this point, um, I will give you a chance. I wanted to leave time for you to do plugs because I know you have a few. So um, please feel free to tell the the audience where they can find you and what you do. Well, I'm hoping to come to Toronto, but I haven't been able to organize my life um, <laughs> because of the pandemic. And Canada's not um, – I was supposed to go to Vancouver last week, um, mm. and I they canceled because of a, a, mm. spark, a, a spike, I think. And I don't know when this will go out, but um, all of my – I have a new album and a new special by the same name. They're both available free streaming. It's called Staycation. Mm. My last name is Cation. And we were all at home for two years, you guys. So uh, it is called Staycation. And my last name is spelled K-A-S-H-I-A-N. And that's my new album, a new new special, both available free. Or you can buy them. If you have those machines, you can buy a CD or a DVD at my website, JackieCation.com. I've got merch. I've got my tour dates. Like this next week, I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. at the D.C. Loft. But then I'm in Seattle and Louisville and... A bunch of it's ongoing, right? This is mm-hmm. what I do for a living. So I'm always in, in new towns. So if you go to JackieCasher.com, you will find that. And then I have two podcasts, The Dork Forest, which Lacey mm-hmm. has been on, <laughs> and then The Jackie and Lori Show, where I talk with the comedian Lori Kilmartin just about stand up and about, mm-hmm. and, and that one, The Dork Forest, super cheerful, very fun. <laughs> Jackie and Lori Show, super dark, very grumpy. <laughs> so whatever you're looking for, you can find it on JackieGation.com. Yeah. And you had mentioned uh, that you were just on uh, James Corden. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did a, uh, I did a late night set. Wow. Yeah, very <laughs> the lead. I got to do television, you guys. I was on the James Corden show. And um, and I filmed it a different day that they aired it. And so the day that uh, they filmed it, so I got to meet very briefly. She will never remember me. Uh, Dakota Johnson. Hmm. Don Johnson's and Melanie Griffith's daughter, who was in Fifty Shades of Grey or something like that. And she was distractingly beautiful. It was like Mm. one of those Hollywood moments where you're like, how could you be Photoshopped in person? It was very, (laughs) very weird. And she was also very funny. 
and very likable on her panel. So that was neat. But yeah, the James Corden set is also available for free streaming. And that's kind of exciting. And mm -hmm. I should get my web guy to put that on my website. Hi. <laughs> uh, yes. I'm glad to be helped to remind you. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, and I, I will also vouch for staycation. I watched that on YouTube and I loved every second of it. Thank <laughs> I, you so much. I'm not even just saying that I have been a fan of your comedy for a while. I like your particular style. It's pretty unique, I think. So I definitely think people should check it out. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so for myself, um, hatcollecting.com is the website for this project. Uh, you can also see the Artemis Creates banner to my uh, left or right here. I, mm. I'm backwards on the screen. Um, but yeah, artemiscreates.com is my site, which has kind of everything else besides the show. Um, I'm actually excited. I'm going to be, this will probably come out after it starts, but I'm starting to run a uh, workshop, which is um, based around kind of play and learning and connection and like, um, it's based on a workshop that I took about eight years ago and was given permission to adapt. And I just finally actually got to a point where I could do that. So I believe that's going to be called Hat Collecting Playdate. So look for that. Um, that will be show, shown at uh, hatcollecting.com when it's ready. And otherwise, yeah, I have a book. I have uh, merch. I have uh, uh, what else? There's a bunch. It's Twitter all. It's all on the website. Yeah, Twitter handle. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, yes. That's great. You're uh, you're at uh, Jackie Cation on all the platforms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I'm at hack at hack collecting on the platforms I'm on, and at Artemis Creates on a bunch. So um, I'll put an overlay on the screen for for everyone's convenience and such. Um, yeah. And so the last thing I'll say before we uh, round out the main show is uh, please feel free to leave a comment uh, or send me a message. Your favorite moment from this episode favorite question favorite answer favorite joke whatever it was what what stood out to you the most uh, i'd love to know what's resonating with my audience so uh yeah with that said we're gonna hop into the bonus episode now but uh, stay curious and keep collecting those hats and this has been another hat collecting